What's up, guys? Are you studying for your exam right now? That's your BCBA or BCABA exam. Well, one of the coolest things that we have over at studynotesaba.com, if I do say so myself, and I wish I had when I was testing, are some of our specialty mini mocks. There are definitely those hot topics that everyone asks about, everyone confuses. You see it in the Facebook groups. I know you do. I'm sure that you're probably confused on them too. So we've put together a few of the most asked questions into mini mocks. So one of them would be our motivating operations mini mock. That's when those confusing words like abolishing, establishing, evocative, abative, all those words come in and you just cannot figure out the answer. We have a 25 question mini mock called motivating operation mini mock. It is awesome. Another wicked hard topic I know is stimulus equivalence and non-equivalence. Those new chapters in Cooper 19 and 20, yes, they make me want to crawl out of my skin too, but don't worry, we have a mini mock for that as well. That is a 25 question, stimulus equivalence and non-equivalence, and we throw in some RFT in that mini mock. Another one that really trips people up on the exam is those negation questions, those nots or those accepts. Ugh, I always got those wrong. Well, you won't get them wrong because we have a hashtag not mock. So head over to studynotesaba.com, check out all the cool mini mocks we have, and we are going to make sure you pass your test. Love you, mean it. Study notes ABA, ABA in a little X-rated way. It's behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. And we are here with episode 143. Casey, what do you have for us today? All right. I've thought long and hard about this one. Episode 143. Co-parenting after divorce. Can we ever agree? That's a good one. Nice work. We do these dumb ones every week, Michelle. I don't know if you've heard our podcast <laughs> at all, but that actually kind of works. So I know. Um you guys got a hint of who our guest is today. But before we go to our guest, it's time for our review of the day. Just to pump ourselves up a little, make ourselves feel good about ourselves. Let's hear it, Kate. All right. This comes in from BCBA Alyssa or BCB Alyssa. I like that. She says, thank you. I'm a fresh BCBA. She passed last week. And I cannot thank you guys enough for being a guiding force in my success. I recently got the courage to leave my unhappy position at a really awful company and went through a depression due to my bully boss. Without the support from my family, friends, and this podcast, I wouldn't have been able to get through and transition into study mode. Thanks to the Staba app, mocks, coloring book, etc., I don't think I would have passed. I am now employed at a wonderful company where I am so happy. Thanks for everything. Wow. That makes me so happy because a lot of people stay in really shitty situations um, because they're too afraid to leave. So I'm glad that our podcast and our test prep could push you through that transition and you're on the other side and we could not be happier for you. So go get them. Yeah. Welcome to the other side of being a BCBA. And did you intentionally pick this because it kind of like goes with our theme today? Nope. Just the universe. It was literally random. Yeah, I feel like this is like the kind of things I see on our guest today page, except it's not about the BCBA exam. It's like, I'm on the other side and I'm so happy. Okay, <laughs> yes. so per, per, perfect lead-in. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, we've done this a little opposite today. We always have our behavior principles before, but this time we recorded the show 
and saw which topics we did cover behaviorally. So you're going to want to look out for the following. Let me get the behavioral robots to tell you. Extinction. You are going to want to look for extinction when we are not reinforcing behavior that someone is engaging in. Potentially our ex sending threatening messages. We also are looking at the function of the behavior when you are going through something. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it for access to the children or are you doing it because you do not want someone else to have access? Check in with yourself. All right. So our guest today, I'm really, really excited about both, you know, as everyone knows, I share everything here. I went through a divorce the past year. And this is someone I was following on Instagram. And then I ended up in a public library. I'm trying to think how I got there. Oh, Kobe was in like a music class or something. I'm like, when was I ever in the library? And it, on the, the the top new release books was our guest book out in the library, which is cool to know, just so you know, they're like putting it in libraries too, which is great. It's I, it's wild to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, know, I mean- I like I didn't realize they're like keeping up with new books in libraries. And also this is not like New York library. This is like Plano, Texas. And okay. shout out to libraries for still existing in today's like modern yeah. technology world. Like some of us like the smell of an old book. Yep. Exactly. But yours smelt new is a thing. So you know it's it's not old yet. So this is new. It's out there, but the information is so amazing. And I'll tell you more about it. And our guest could tell you, but I'm going to have Casey give the intro because, you know, Casey does this beautifully. Let's hear it. All right. So today we have on, as Liat said, um, an amazing author. Um, she, Her name is Michelle Dempsey. She is an MS, CDS, a writer, a mom, a coach, certified divorce specialist, speaker, and genuine girl power enthusiast, which you're in the right place right now. Um, she graduated from Hofstra University with a degree in journalism and communication, and then earned a double master's degree in education from Adelphi University. She hosts the weekly podcast, Moms Moving On. She writes regularly for parents, Scary Mommy, and others. She's a former New Yorker, lives in Miami now with her husband, daughter, and stepdaughter. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to hear that intro. I've had like a shit week. And so you just reminded me like, yes, this bitch I'm is bad. I'm a bad bitch. Yeah. yeah. This bitch is bad. You're in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for having me here on episode 143. The 90s kid in me, like when I had a beeper, like oh 143 was like, that's what pops up for me in my old brain. You know what? You had a beeper? You didn't have a beeper? I did. I was like, wait. How old are you? No. How old are you? I'm so much no, older. No, not than even you. okay to ask anyone this question. Yeah, that's like 19. I know. I'm 33. Okay, so I'm going to be 40 this year. Okay, so you got to be before me. You but do you know why she it. said 143? Do you know what that means? She doesn't get it. No. 143. Don't tell me. her. I'm not going to tell you. This is wild. You don't know what 143 Casey, don't act like you had an effing beeper. I there's did no have way a your beeper, mom, like. But it's not even, you don't even need to know about a beeper to know what 143 means. No way your mom got you a beeper. <laughs> <laughs> 143. Yeah, 143. Oh, sisterhood. <laughs> First time, Liat, that you're left out. So that's good. All right. Anyways, Michelle, we're so happy to have you. Already rolling off to a great start. Okay. So. Can we just start off with 
So you were in journalism, then you did double master's degree in education. Yes. It really has to one-up me over here. I only had one in education, (laughs) but I'm I'm amazing. Well, we connected over this. Our I worked with students with autism for a long time. So my second master's with was children, working with children in special education. That's right. Oh, yeah, we did connect over this. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so how did you get where you are now? You know, you, like you're, you're doing this. You have this huge platform. Mm-hmm. You are the guru on divorce and co-parenting. How did you end up here? I was having a slice of pizza one day and this agent came over to me and was like, you should be a famous divorce person. No, I'm just kidding. It was so easy. Um, (laughs) I love those stories, but that was not mine. No. So, you know, I started Instagram in 2012. I actually just got like a reminder of it. My Instagram account, like I think they send these reminders now that show how long you've been on and how long you've been verified and whatever. And so I'm like, damn, 2012, I started social media. Um, two or three years later, was getting married, having a baby. I was growing a following. I was writing for certain publications at that time years ago, Scary Mommy, Elite Daily, uh, Huffington Post when it was still like a big deal and owned by Ariana Huffington. And I wrote about motherhood and, you know, marriage and being a young mom and all those things. Um, And then all of a sudden I got separated and writing for me is so therapeutic. And the editors at Scary Mommy and Parents were really, really open and encouraging to my like shifting the nature of my content to co-parenting and single motherhood and how hard that was. And there wasn't a lot out there, especially on Instagram at the time. And with each article, I found, you know, my following would grow and people would send questions and people would thank me for putting this out into the world. So I felt like really inspired to keep doing that. Um, And then it wasn't long before People were asking me all sorts of legal questions I didn't know how to answer. So I started my podcast in the winter of 2020, January of 2020. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just, you know, I had a few friends as as guests the first couple of episodes who could speak to divorce. And it kind of just blew up. I think the timing was right. Um, COVID happened, obviously, two months later. There was a 60% spike in um, divorce during COVID, there was a huge increase in domestic violence, unfortunately. So it was almost like a perfect storm. Like I was putting a lot more out there. More people were getting divorced. Then people started asking if they could hire me. Um, with my background in education, I knew working with parents and their and helping their children was something I could definitely do, but I wanted to get certified. So I became a certified divorce specialist and then a co-parenting specialist. Um, started taking clients. Then I got my book deal in uh, the late 2020 from Simon & Schuster. And so since then, it's just been like, you know, we've been like doing this mom's moving on thing and I love it and it makes me so happy. I just want to say with all that, like that you've done, everything, um, I was watching your Instagram this morning and and I just love people that keep it real on Instagram. And Liat's oh, really I was good. on a tear yesterday. I know. Too. And Liat's really good at that. I suck. I like fake out the shit on Instagram. I'm like, everything's perfect. Look at me. Ugh. And you were just yeah, so the real. other day, now that I'm on here, I'll call you out. You're like, you too can be this happy. You posted something. I, <laughs> I know. I, I'm calling myself out. I was literally like, gag. <laughs> hey, guys. 
Oh wait, sorry, I got distracted for a second. I was busy here commenting on people's beautiful notes on the Study Notes ABA app. They are beautiful. Have you guys seen our Study Notes ABA app? It has everything you could ever want. You go into the app, you could put in your test date. It will help you make a study plan of what you should be studying when, what you should be reading when, help you mark off your task list. It has over 3,000 practice questions for you to practice all the different sections of the task list. And as you go through different sections, mark off whatever area of the task list you have done. Now you could play some games with it, talk it out with friends, come to our study groups that we have every Tuesday and Saturday with one of our BCBAs here at Study Note. And we talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. We play games, have a good time. It's an open forum. You can meet other people to study with. And the section I love is the doodle it section. If you're someone who's easily distracted by Instagram or TikTok, fear no more. You could be distracted by the Study Notes ABA app, which has a similar feed as Instagram where people post their notes. You could like them, comment, share them, whatever it is. And you could learn from other people. So head on over to the Apple Store or Google Play and get the Snaba app today. You could thank me later. <laughs> but anyways, I just, I love that you keep it real. Um, and it's you behind the account, which is awesome. And you were just like, basically saying like, if you have, if you're a naysayer or negative comments, and I get this on ours too, and I delete them as well. And it's like, you come into my house, you're not going to, you know, come in and talk shit in my house. Or- you're not going to shit on my rug and expect right. me to not kick you out. Exactly. That's exactly what I said. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I don't care. People don't like me and that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's more what makes me nervous and uncomfortable is when people come in. So a lot of people will ask these questions on my comment threads. Like I'll post something about positive co-parenting and somebody will write, for example, well, what about when your ex is a malignant narcissist and you don't trust the kids with him? Well, that's a scary thing. Mm -hmm. I can't always respond to those because if I did, first of all, I don't know the details of what makes your ex a quote unquote malignant narcissist. That's, that's, you know, yeah, no. that person may not have been. You don't have the background information. I don't have enough information to help you with that question. I don't know what's happening with the kids. I don't know if there's a physical threat. I don't know what's going on. So if I come in with advice and I give you an answer, and God forbid you act on that advice and something goes wrong, guess who's liable? The girl on Instagram who gave you advice. So I'm very careful. So what happens is then people with no professional experience will come in and be like, oh, of course she didn't answer. Here's what you need to do. And I'm like, wait a second. No, like if she did follow that advice and then other people came in and saw that, that's a recipe for disaster. So I've even thought about turning off the comments because I don't want people getting themselves into situations. But I, but then, you know, it limits people from being able to share their feelings or their love. And I'm not trying to censor anybody in any way, but I will take down misinformation that could potentially affect somebody and their children. I think it's it's right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's important to I always get a lot of questions and advice too. We do for like, you know, I'm in a shitty situation with my job or I'm in a shitty situation with my supervision or, you know, but I it's hard or to get this intervention actual- for a client. Like right. what should I do? It's like honestly, I have no idea. I don't know like what your client's doing. Don't take it from me. Yeah. Like, I don't know. 
if I don't have the full background information or I've done an assessment or I, I understand all the pieces, like I'm not liable to give you advice. Um, and so that does upset some people, but I was really proud of what you said. And I was like inspired to, you know, have a backbone when it comes to that. So thank you. You're welcome. It's taken me a long time. You know, I'm very much a people pleaser, but I realized, you know, over 200,000 followers later, you're going to have a lot of people who don't like what you have to say. You're going to have people who think they know better. You know, I had some girl recently go on like a Instagram story spree for all like seven of her followers talking about how (laughs) I'm not even formally trained and I'm uneducated. (laughs) That's misinformation. You may not like what I have to say. Cool. But like, we get it too. It's like, you should not even have your BCBA. You don't even understand these concepts. I'm like, lick my balls and just move <laughs> lick on. Them. Like, lick them. Add salt. Add salt. <laughs> okay. So I, I want to ask some of these questions because for anyone listening, divorce is trending. Yeah. I mean, I'm kidding. It's been trending. But <laughs> this new when concept. you have kids, it is a whole different story. Like, I know getting divorced – I mean – Getting divorced is already a really huge thing. Like it's scary. Your your life is changing. You're like, you think of every possibility. I, I can guarantee you that. You're like, am I going to regret this? Am I going to do this? Like, what am I doing? Is my kid going to be fucked up? Is my kid going to be normal? Is my kid going to hate me? Blah, blah, blah. Am I going to be able to afford my life? Like you're going through everything, okay? And then now you're going through this divorce and I could speak from a mom's point of view. I'm not saying that's anything against dads, but like my – like. I saw one thing in my, like, view. I'm like, okay, Kobe, that's my son. I'm like, Kobe's my main priority. Like, okay, all these other things are fluff. I mean, yeah, you still need stuff to be able to live, but Kobe is it. And if, just for some background information for anyone, when you're getting a divorce, it's not usually like, oh, I love you. Let's get divorced. I love you still. I love you. At least not in the beginning. <laughs> uh, Sometimes not in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, just trying to be nice, you know. Uh, and you're fighting over, like, uh, over someone you love so much, right? Like your child. Like this is amazing. And sometimes the fighting is, is it because like you both really care for the best being of the child? Or is it because is there egos involved? Like that's when we look at behaviorally, like what's the MO? Like, is it because like you truly want this kid 50% of the time? Or is it because you just want to make sure that your ex doesn't have that happiness? And just so like the area you're dealing with, I just kind of wanted to give people a little bit of a, and I'm, I'm sure you could speak to it more, that it's like a a hot, not hot topic, like a, a tense. <laughs> it's tense. It's difficult. It's, you know, you're asking people to do, make some of the biggest and most profound decisions in their children's lives at their most emotional and at and vulnerable, the adults. And adults are, you know, when they're triggered, when that cortex of their brain is fired up, they're making decisions from a place of ego and pain, more from let me kumbaya this and see what's best for the kids because we're human. It's fight or flight. It's we're feeling attacked. And so we're asking people to make decisions for their children in the most delicate time of their lives. And it's crazy. And so that's why there's people like me and plenty of other coaches in the world who come in and say, Hey, wait, like for me, it's, 
I want to help you have a divorce and co-parenting experience your kids are not going to need to recover from. We all know our kids are going to grow up and have some shit to talk about in therapy about us, right? But let it not be that their childhood was so ugly because their parents just couldn't stop fighting. So I come in as a coach and the coaches who work for me and the coaches that I train, our main objective is to help the client separate the emotion that they're feeling for their ex, which they are very much entitled to feel, and in most cases, rightfully so, from the decisions that need to be made. And unfortunately, you know, the other professionals in the divorce process, that's not what they're there for. It's not because they're bad, but, you know, a lawyer goes to law school to learn the law, to they help to carry do out the, hours. the logistical pieces of getting divorced. You know, the judge is just there to make sure everything looks good and give it the stamp of approval and maybe make a hard decision that the parents can't make. So nobody is saying, hey, wait a second. Tell me about Johnny and Susie. How does Johnny do on his homework after school? Is he better doing it, you know, at home right after school? Or is is it okay if he gets it done at school and aftercare? Because that's going to help us determine pick up and drop off, you know, during transition days. So nobody's looking at those intricacies. And that's where kids get shoved into the middle instead of their needs being put at front and center. And, you know, I'm living proof of the trauma that that can cause and, you know, for me, it's like, I just want people to see that it doesn't matter what your ex's label is, whether your ex-wife is a crazy borderline psycho or your ex-husband is a malignant narcissist or whatever you want to call them. It doesn't matter. You still have to parent these kids together in some way. And so people get so upset when I say to take the high road because, you know, their ex doesn't deserve it. I'm like, no, maybe they don't, but your kids sure do. They didn't ask to be in this situation. So keep one side of the street clean so they know they have a peaceful side and that's that's you know sorry for preaching but that's how no it's it's, (laughs) okay so i can i get an amen i was gonna say amen amen. and also especially after (laughs) okay so last night happens to be i like dabble on the dating apps i've already told you like being like an orthodox jew in dallas is not like the whatever but so i end up (laughs) i don't know who i'm talking to (laughs) Whatever seems like a nicest guy, the conversation. I mean, this must be what you're doing all the time. Okay. So it's like, I'm like, oh, cool. How many kids do you have? Two, one adopted and one biological. So I'm interested. I'm automatically assuming, you know, I'm like a Jewish Yenta. I'm like, oh, cool. Which one came first, the adopted or the biological? Because you always hear about like they adopt and then have a biological child. Right. But, anyways, this was a, like he adopted the son that she had from a previous marriage and had just had just done it in the past year and there was like like a green card involved that he was like giving to her and as soon as uh, it was like all the stuff and I'm like listening in by the way I'm like dead fucking tired like I had taught last night like Kobe was up the night before and I'm like listening to this guy obviously like he's like going through it in a major way but I'm like listening to certain things and he's like I just want the best for my kids I mean she wants to make sure like I don't get them at all Blah, blah, blah. So I'm going for 100%. I want the best. I'm like, well, is she a good mom? He's like, yeah, like she, she loved, like, yeah, she's like good to them. But, you know, she's not good because she's abusive because she talks about me to them. And I'm like, bro. And he's like, I've already spent like tens of thousands of dollars on this divorce. And I was like, no offense. Why are you so obsessed with getting 100%? Like, like, I was like, you're not going to get it. Like, just, and again, I have only been through like a divorce, like, you know, in the past year, you're doing that all the time. And like certain things I just wanted to be like, you sound like a fucking idiot. Like, 
this. <laughs> right. I love I that you asked like him, though, like, about his ex-wife, because I think it's very telling about a person's emotional state. You know, like, if you're going out with this guy and all he's doing is, like, venting. Well, no, I'm not. I literally was like, bye. No, but I'm saying if you were on a date with somebody and, you know, they're spending the whole time venting about their ex and bashing this person, clearly they're still very emotionally attached, and that's a big red flag. Right. But what I'm saying is I just saw like as a behavior analyst looking at it, I'm like – because he kept saying over and over like the lines of like, honestly, I just care for the kids. Like I just want them to have – you know, like even if I get 100%, she's allowed to come see them whenever she wants. Like – and I'm just like, huh? It, like th- like saying this, but I'm like, okay, then if you care about – and like just some of the – it's just – you're right. Like, okay, that like prefrontal cortex of your brain is literally fried in that moment. He's telling me, like, I will literally buy her another house so that the kids could live in the same house the entire time. And then we have three houses, the kids' house that we switch to go live in, and then ours. And I'm like, okay, so then, like, when you get remarried or your wife gets remarried, they come with their partner for their days with the kids and this other – I was like, this is – I at a certain point, I was like, why am I even responding to this? Like, I am just – but I was like – your, your literal like judgment zone is gone. Gone. In that moment. Gone. And I, you know, admittedly, um, my ex will certainly agree. I am reactive or used to be. And in the beginning stages of our divorce, I'd say the first year or two, I was like everything I tell people not to be, you know? And so I had to learn that like being that reactive person was not going to do anybody any good. Everything to me was like a big deal. I'm a mama bear. I only have one child. She was only two. And then I, and and even like if he said something that I didn't like, like I had to like correct it right away. The energy I lost in those two years and how much more present I could have been with Bella during that time. Like it makes me sad to think about. And that's why, you know, I had to learn the hard way to be able to to recognize the importance of just like putting your ego aside and just, you know what? It didn't work out. It's not a surprise to anybody when there's a divorce, like 99.9% of people will tell you, yeah, shit wasn't good before it ended. So, you know, we have to stop pretending like, oh my God, you know, it's, it sucks. It happened. Marriage at marriages end and it's painful, but your kids didn't ask for it and you got to behave like rational people. So with this being said, when you have people reach out to you mm-hmm. and they're like, I want, I mean, I know at least like my mom, for example, devastated I was getting divorced. You know, she was yeah. like, oh, I'm just worried about Kobe and like this. And I'm like, mom, he's going to be in a shittier environment if I'm depressed as shit all day, you know? Yeah. Uh, and because like the biggest fear is like, my kid going through this, like he's not going to have both parents there and whatever it is. Like when you have someone come to you and be like, I just want to raise like an emotionally safe, happy kid. What do you tell them? I tell them that first of all, Harvard research shows that it, all it takes is one reasonable and stable parent for a child to thrive. So what does that mean? Does that mean that like every single parent is raising a perfect kid? No. What that means is when a child is in a situation where there is conflict, one parent, it doesn't even have to be a parent. You know, we see evidence of 
you know, adults who say my grandma raised me or, you know, my teacher at school was the person who kept my head on straight despite all the chaos in my life. One person where they feel safe, who is consistent, that means not perfect, but consistent in what they preach and how they treat the child and the child doesn't have to feel anxious and doesn't feel like they're walking on eggshells. That's what it takes for a child to thrive. Do children in two-parent homes do fantastic? Absolutely. But even in two-parent homes, there can be a lot of discord and tension. As you know, people live unhappily for years, and that rubs off just as much as discord and tension in two homes. When there's one person that keeps this child feeling safe, that's what a child needs to thrive. Regardless of that, everybody's child, mine, yours, me, we all grew up, we, we all grow up and there's things we need to heal from our past, something our parents didn't do perfectly, something that affected us that we want to, you know, break the cycle on. Maybe it was, you know, toxic diet culture in your childhood and you don't want to pass that on to the next. There's going to be something that has nothing to do with the marital status of the parents. So, you know, I'm really real about that. But I think if you're putting the pressure on yourself where you think one happy family is what it takes for a child to thrive, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's it's so not that. It's, I mean, it's so true because, I mean, again, I, as I, I look at a lot of things sometimes and I'm like, okay, I, I've grown up in like an Orthodox Jewish home. Like not only that, society has like conditioned this idea that like, like, like being married, like you're happy, right? Like that's, it's like, that's what people assume like, oh, they're, they're married. They must be doing well. <laughs> right. Which like when I was able to step back and be like, whoa, I was a shell of myself. Like mm -hmm. this kid didn't even get to, I mean, I'm thankful at the time Kobe was like such a baby that it was like, just like feeding him, changing a diaper, you know? But this this idea of, like, if you could look at the bigger picture and, like, he's getting such a better version of me now than he would have before. Because, I mean, you yeah, can feel ask, it. I ask every parent that comes in front of me, men and women, because I work with both now, sometimes both of them together, Forget what you want. Forget, you know, the legal process. What story do you want your child to be able to tell when they're an adult? Because every time I meet an adult at a networking event or a fundraising gala or someone who recognizes me on the street and says hi, they will say to me, my parents stayed married because of us and I really wish they would have gotten divorced because it was miserable. Whenever I meet somebody who finds out what I do, who had married parents, that's what I hear. And I'm like, can you Say that again, but like into my Insta stories, you know, but. <laughs> wow. I mean, I can't imagine as a kid, because like if you're an adult feeling this like level of tension or walking on eggshells in your own house, like you're still an adult. So you feel like a little bit more like a kid is literally just like. They see and they know everything. And, you know, I was I was working with a client last night who mentioned she has a very, very, very young son. The kids don't know anything, but her and her soon-to-be ex are in the process of, you know, splitting up. And she said she was getting dressed one morning and her son walked over to her and said, mommy, it's okay if we get a new daddy. And she was like, what? I know daddy makes you sad. Like that, she was like, how would he even, I'm like, cause they see and they feel and they know, and it's, you know, 
ages zero to five, this is where children develop their like thoughts and attachment and like feelings about themselves and the world. Like, what are we doing if we're like pretending they don't know what's going on between two adults? So when you get a couple in there, okay, let's say they're pretty hostile. You have them together or you have one of them and it's like one's going out of their way like, I don't want him having any time. Like, I don't trust when my kid's with him, blah, blah, blah. What, what's your approach? Are you, like, straight up where you're like, okay, you're fucking over your child here? Or I say that. No, I don't say that to a couple. I say that individually. I, will, I would never say that. You know, to, I'm, not, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a mediator. Usually when I meet with both, it's just because they're both on board with, like, trying to understand – next best steps, how to talk to the kids about divorce, you know, what the parenting plan should include, what what they shouldn't forget. It's not usually about mediating their problems. It's really just about me educating them. Um, but there are plenty of times where I'm meeting with an individual and I have to say, listen, like you got that text because your your text to the your first text was, you know, inflammatory or you were instigating. And I have to tell them that. And a lot of people don't like it. You know, I got a very nasty email from a current client a couple of days ago. She didn't like what I had to say. And she basically told me to like kick rocks and she doesn't want to work with me anymore. And, you know, like, what am I, I can only be as honest as I know I need to be. And, and some people are not ready for that truth, but no, with two people in front of me, I won't pin one against the other. (laughs) I I meant like as a whole, like, you guys are both against me now. Like, you guys are not looking out for your kid here. No, I don't say that. Okay, cool. That's why I don't do it. It's my job. Just checking in. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now, what about the – I know at, at least, like, when I was – and I'm asking these things just because, like, I could speak off experience and I'm and you obviously know more about it. But for parents – when you are first like having your weekend away from your kid or it's time with the other parent, that's like a like you feel that in your heart. Like your your house feels empty. Oh yeah. You're like what advice would you give to someone during those initial you know, those first moments away from their child for the weekend or week or depending on how the time is split? So what do you tell parents in that? I, it's the hardest thing in the world. The first weekend is like, it's like this twilight zone feeling where you just feel like so disconnected from your body and you don't know what's happening. I write a lot about this in my book because it's, you know, it's a whole chapter on how to handle the first weekend or the first night without your kids because it's fucking weird. Um, my number one suggestion is keep their bedroom doors closed. nothing prepares you for when you wake up in the morning and you come out of your bedroom and you look into their little rooms and you're like, and they're not there. It's the weirdest thing. There's nothing natural about being a mom and having to hand your children over to somebody you no longer love or trust or like or whatever. Um, That's number one. And number two is to keep yourself busy in the ways that feel comforting to you. Not start going on dates because you don't know what else to do and not say yes to every invitation just to keep your mind occupied. If what feels good to you is sitting in your bed and crying while you binge watch the affair, this is what I did for the first few months of my separation. Do that. 
Like you have to do the things that feel good. And you also have to make a commitment to yourself to pull yourself out of the rut. So like allow for the sad girl time, but also force yourself to go for a walk around the neighborhood because it is going to pep you up and it is going to change your perspective a little bit. And as you know, the first weekend becomes the second and the 12th and the 20th, you learn to value that time because there's nothing harder than single parenting. So when you do have that time without your kids, you can really give back to yourself. You know, before I met my now husband, those were the weekends that like I would take road trips to go see friends or I would schedule a massage or I would commit to cleaning out my closet. Like the things I needed to do that I never had time for, that's what I did. And, you know, it doesn't make it easier, but you adjust, you know, we can get used to anything. I I always joke. I'm like, maybe this is a solution I needed when I was married you know, that he would take the child every other weekend that I could actually get some sleep. <laughs> uh, I could rest. I could read a book, you know, it. And and I, I understand, like, I'm coming from a situation where, like, I'm not, like, worried about Kobe's safety when he's not with me because I know that's, like, a different situation. But I, I feel like I've been able to like now anyways, be like, I mean, it's kind of crazy when, like when you're a parent, it's legit a full-time job. Like mm-hmm. every second you're like, all right, I'm done for the day. I've been, I'm getting back from work. It's been nonstop. And then like your kids like shitting out water like two nights ago. I'm like, what is this even coming from? Like every time he sneezes, he's going to the bathroom, you know? Right. But what people don't understand about co-parenting, especially from the mom's perspective is, you know, they say, oh, you're so lucky you get a break. First of all, it's not a fucking break because like for me, I'm still parenting when my daughter's with her dad in the sense that, you know, we're, we're both going to show up to her soccer games, her shows, whatever Mm -hmm. she's got going on. Like I'm still on call. Like if, if he needs help with a pickup, you know, and vice versa, like we're both so hands-on with her that our parenting time is never really off. And I think that's what people forget. And even if you're not as collaborative as me and my daughter's dad are, you are, you know, sitting around worrying about all the things you're worrying about. Oh my God. Okay. So does she have this? Does she have that? Is is she going to be okay at school tomorrow? Like the worry never stops. And that's like the exhausting part of parenting for me. It's, I mean, I, I I could only speak as a mom, but like that, like supply chain job of like, do we have enough of this? Do I have this? Did I make sure to send this? Did he, oh no, does he know that he's not drinking that milk anymore? And because I like keep Shabbat, it's like, I can't talk to you from Friday night to Saturday night. We live close enough that like if he needed something, he could walk over. But yeah, it's like, you're always thinking of these different things. Like, oh shoot, did, it, did I remember to send his antibiotic? Did I do this? Well, it's like nonstop. But I'm saying like, I've been able to find some value and like, it's weird waking up without your kid there, but I, I'm also able to be like, I I could be, I feel like I could be a better parent when I, cause I like, I get this rest in between. Yeah, no, for sure. That's definitely beneficial. Like it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so someone with no kids, I'm going to chime in here and ask a few questions Um, because it's definitely, um, I mean, I know Leah is going through this, so it's very resonating with her. But for anyone listening that doesn't, um, 
you know, have kids yet, or you maybe haven't gone through this, but I still want to ask some of these questions that um, I was reading through your podcast and stuff. And so I come from uh, parents who were divorced when I was two. And I just, my memories, like you said, that zero through five were like the tug and war, right? Like literally, like, I remember like physically even like a tug and war between like, who's going to have me and like, where I'm like, oh, it's my weekend. It's my weekend. Like, mm-hmm. it's like just psycho fighting. But like, what are the top co-parenting mistakes that you see or that parents might be doing that they don't even know that they're making? Um. So in terms of creating a parenting plan, let's say, I think the biggest mistake people make is they realize that what's now is not forever. Like, you know, for example, I got separated when my daughter was two. She, I now had to figure out 16 years of her life in a parenting plan, but I didn't no, I had a hard time thinking past that moment. Like in my head, she was going to be two forever. So we had to do things a certain way that would benefit two-year-old Bella. But I didn't give myself, like I didn't take a step back and look at the big picture. And I think that's what a lot of parents miss is thinking that the pain that they feel now, the fear that they fear feel now will last forever. So they might as well take like every means necessary to safeguard their child and not let the child have time with the other parent, blah, blah, blah. That's number one. And I think number two, it's, you know, what we share with our kids and what we don't share with our kids, both equally have, you know, similar results. So if we're oversharing, you know, that's, that can be really dangerous if we're, you know, making our child feel responsible in any way for our emotions, like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm going to miss you when you're at daddy's. I miss you is one of the worst things you can say to a kid when they're getting adjusted to co-parenting because for them, miss is a negative feeling and then they think they're doing something wrong. So it starts to develop all this anxiety within them. Um, And, you know, I think another thing is really just not being mindful of how you speak about the other parent. When you say things like you're going to your dad's this weekend versus, oh, you're going to daddy's this weekend. It hits very different. Every little thing we say and do matters in the beginning and it's important. And I like one of the things that you said about, you know, not being so like fused to the rules where, oh, you know, you can only call dad twice when you're with me. And you're like, sometimes my daughter calls him four times a day because sometimes she needs only daddy can help. And like, yeah, I let her like, it's not about being so stuck to like, who's, you know, these are the rules. No. And I feel like when you are that stuck, you know, sometimes you have to be because the other person could really be emotionally dangerous. And I honor that. And, you know, maybe those conversations your child is having with the other parent are, inflammatory and they're saying things to the child that are not good. Like, oh, tell your mom, you know, she's a bitch. Like those things happen. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, by all means, follow your parenting plan and limit the calls. But if you are in a healthy space and your child does come home from school and says, you know, oh my God, I want to tell daddy I got an A on that paper. Like, please allow that. Like, oh my God, you know, I didn't have that as a kid and that did a lot of damage. And so, you know, I really do Look, I love my daughter's father. I didn't, when we first split up, I found every reason to think he was the worst. He definitely wasn't. It was me who had a hard time with my emotions. But, you know, last night we were both sitting at, my daughter was in Moana last night and she did an amazing job. But like, we're both sitting there like sobbing and I like looked at him. I'm like, really? Like, it's just, it's so cute that we can be able to do that stuff together now. And it's because like, we grew and those things happen and it's, you know, everything everything takes time. I think that's a big advice is everything does take time. And what is right now is not forever. Exactly. Um, in any situation that you might be in. 
Right. And that's hard for I'm definitely when you're in it, it's like this is it. You have blinders. You think on. it's the worst. No, yeah. and I and I'm very open about that. I would tell people like I have the worst ex-husband and I'm going through the worst divorce. Mm-hmm. My divorce was like so benign. Like <laughs> I paid my retainer, never had to pay anymore because it went, you know, bing bang boom. We had nothing to litigate over. Like it was fine. Like we we agreed on 50-50 and we were just mad at each other. That's why it felt the worst. But like nobody had, you know, any anything bad really going on. There's also a lot of fear at that point. Cause like you're imagining yeah, you're driven by everything. fear. It's a scary situation. You don't know, like, you know, everybody's threatening each other and like then you don't know about the best is like we know nothing about the legal process. And so like I'll say to my clients, why do you keep answering his texts if he's, you know, harassing you? Well, I don't want the court to think I'm negligent because I'm not answering him. I'm like, the court doesn't care about the, what you don't say. They care about what you do say. Like people have all these misconceptions. I did too. I didn't even know what mediation was. I thought it was like that scene in Wedding Crashers where the two people sit at the <laughs> table and argue over nonsense. I didn't know, you know, like we don't yeah. know. So of course we're full of fear and that's why I do the work that I do to help with that part. And that's why your book helps so many women too. Thank you. It's amazing. I mean, even though I don't have children, I've been through a divorce and I I remember, and again, mine was very like thinking back on it now it was so simple. We had nothing together. It was bing, bang, boo. There was a restraining order. So that was difficult. Um, but it was pretty benign looking back now. But when I was in it, I was like, this is the worst thing ever. And I can only imagine if we had kids, he had a daughter and that was difficult. Um, but it wasn't my own child. So I was able to kind of wash my hands and, and get out of there. Um, but I just can't imagine if I was a woman in the situation I was in, in an abusive relationship and having children. So yeah, no. And my hat goes off to anybody listening who was in that situation, because when there has been abuse Mm -hmm. and someone's telling you, it's fine, children deserve their dad. Yes, that's true. But you also want to make sure that what you experience doesn't happen to the kids. And what I find is most cases Mm -hmm. where there was abuse between the adults, I, and and I see this and, you know, you can look it up and, and learn about it, but it doesn't always affect the children. What happens between adults sometimes stays between adults, right? And then you have somebody who is abusive and horrible and now knows that people believe they can't be a good parent. That's when they switch on to like perfect parent mode and you're like, whoa, who the fuck is this, right? Mm-hmm. That happens sometimes. But in a lot of cases, it doesn't. And, you know, for anybody listening, yes, I am pro co-parenting, but if you feel that your children are in harm's way with the other parent and, you know, it, you lie awake at night wondering if your child is going to be okay the next day, then, then you got to take action and, and call the authorities or whoever you need to call to keep your child safe. Is, okay. This is my last closing question. Is there an objective way to do that? Because when you are emotional it could be like, oh, no, no shot they're safe. You know, he's a total dick. Like, is there a way that you could kind of objectively, like, is there questions that you're like, okay. Because in that moment, everything seems unsafe. It's like, right, I know right. he always liked to party. He likes to vape. He vapes. That's so bad for my kid's lung. The, and the kind of being like, okay, well, is vaping the same as, you know, 
Well, and that's what I do. You know, a lot of, and so I train coaches now too. I developed a training program to certify coaches. And what we talk about is that line of questioning, because we're never going to sit there and say, oh my God, your ex is fine. We're going to ask the questions to get the client to see, okay, so my fears or my dislikes about this person don't necessarily mean that he's a bad parent, right? So I'll, they'll say, okay, you know, he's such an asshole. He's always been such an asshole. He's so selfish. He's this, he's that. There's no way he can be a good dad. And I'm like, okay, tell me in the ways he's been an asshole to you. Fine. Tell me the ways he's been an asshole to your son. Well, it's not that he has, it's just that. So then I'm like, okay, so we haven't yet experienced this. Can we say that this is a really scary what if? Like, what if he's a dick to your kid? Okay, so what What then? What happens? So now your kid is upset and comes home and tells you, daddy was mean to me. There is a way we can handle that, right? So the what if is not reason for not letting the other person parent. It's that's That's part of a larger conversation that's rooted in our fears. Like you said, there's so much fear. So that's part of my, you know, with my coaching, that's what we do. It's a lot of questioning to help the client separate the adult emotional experience from the parenting experience. Cause sometimes they are so on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. It sounds like CBT, all my therapy I've done in my life over the years where they're like, okay, is that a fact or is that a thought? Okay. Let's deal with only the facts. Right. <laughs> it's hard in that moment, but yeah. I'm going to ask you something along the lines of like, what would you tell anyone who's like going through this situation or thinking about going through it and it seeming impossible? That's what well, I'm going to ask. you know, it's everything, everything hard seems impossible until you take the first step. Um, it's, it's definitely an uphill climb, but with the right support, you know, it's, you can really just take it day by day. And even if you don't feel you have the right support or you can't hire a coach and you don't like your lawyer, just stay true to who you are and what your parenting goals are. Like eventually it gets less hard and you can one day hopefully look back and be proud of the job that you've done despite the hardness, you know? I love that. Love that. And take in those little hugs. Like there's times that I'm sad and I'd be like, oh my God, Kobe's like literally hugging my leg right now. Like how can I be sad? He's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the part of my things. thought process last night watching Bella on stage, this was her first time doing theater and it, you know, she's been in soccer for years and never really liked it. And then we saw her like come alive on stage last night. I'm like, you know, I got my ex next to me and my husband on the other side. And I'm like thinking, man, you know what? Through all the shit me and my ex have been through, we've, we created this together. Like how precious, like we have to nurture it. She was two, like five minutes ago. Now she's eight and a half and it's, you know, I, I, even though we've done a fairly good job co-parenting, in my opinion, I wish we've done better, you know, cause we spent so much time in the beginning being mad and like, it's just, you know, you created these kids in a moment of love and you gotta, you gotta sometimes go back to that to look past everything else. Totally. Well, you're like Taylor Swift, you know, take a, take a breakup and look what you're doing now. Helping so many other people killing it. Better be like JLo in terms of like you know, yes. fierceness and physicality, but I'll take it. I'll, you know. <laughs> no, I'm not saying look. Like Taylor Swift is like, oh, another breakup. Whoops. Did I just yeah. make another eras tour? <laughs> well, yes. I guess in the sense that like my breakup. And J-Lo does get career. Botox, by the way. J-Lo lies. She says she has no Botox. Like it's just not possible. 
Agree. But um, I will say that Taylor Swift has done a really good job of like making her breakups her career. And I guess I did the same thing. But, you know, I don't look at it that way. I look at it really just like turning lemons into lemonade. I've been through a lot of unfortunate shit in my life outside of my divorce. And that's just always been how I roll. So. Well, you're a badass. And thank you for coming on and sharing a really difficult topic um, with us and our listeners. And we appreciate you so much. Thanks for letting me come on and babble. Thanks for saying yes to this. And if you are anyone listening, I really recommend you get your hands on Mom's Moving On, the book. You could get it on Amazon. It's easy. You know, it comes next day. If you live in Dallas like me, if you live in New Hampshire, it may take like three days, but that's okay. No, like three weeks. (laughs) Barnes and Noble, if you are overseas, you can get it on Goodreads or from um, your library. It's, you know, you can order it on Target. I tell married, a lot of married women would reach out when the book first came out. Like, I want to get it, but I'm scared to add it to my Amazon cart. And I'm like, no problem. Target, your your husband's never going to question another $18, $20 spent at Target. And it used to only be hardcover, but now it's only soft cover. I mean, now it's also soft cover and there's Kindle and there's audio. If you don't mind listening to my voice, there's all sorts of way you can connect with You it. read it for the Audible? They put me on the cover and they had me read it. And I was just like, really? Like, okay. <laughs> they set up this photo shoot for my book cover that it was like, no, it, your book cover is great. I actually would love to like. It was a whole no. that we could do a whole topic, a whole conversation on just that experience. But second to my Good Morning America appearance, it might have been like, you know, the, the highlight of my career. It's amazing. The book cover? The book cover shoot. I mean, it is a cool book cover. I was going to like. Wait, but they like, they like booked me my own soundstage in this like really cool part of Miami. I had Sports Illustrated photographer. Um, Jeffrey Salter taking my pictures. There was a crew, there was hair, there was makeup. And like, it was like crazy to me. Like I still to this day, I'm like, why they put me on the cover? I don't know, but okay. You deserve it. That's why. Thanks. Thanks. And you're beautiful and glowing. Thank you. Like, no, it's nice seeing like the person is doing something, but anyways. Yeah. So if you want to see how hot she looks on the cover, I definitely recommend you get the book. (laughs) Or if you're someone who, you know, even if you know a friend going through this, I, I think reading it can be really beneficial because sometimes there's a certain situation in life where you're like, I wish I could help or offer something or even have some kind of understanding of what this person's going through. And just based on statistics, you probably do know someone. Yeah, for sure. So get your hands on this book. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to come on. This was one of those, like, I'm going to reach out if she says yes. Amazing. If she doesn't, also, want want. But you came, so thank you so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you, Michelle. All right, guys. We'll have all the information of where you can find everything Michelle, her Insta handle, and all those different things in our show notes. And you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on our website, behaviorbitches.com. You could go ahead and leave us a contact form and tell us who you want us to have on. If you're someone cool, if you know someone cool, or if you just want to say something nice, you could also do that in the Apple podcast review. You know, we live for that shit. So go ahead, leave us a five-star review or none at all. And you can find us on Facebook, Behavior Bitches Podcast. 
and Instagram, Behavior Bitches Podcast. All right, guys, as always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard, because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who help us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. 